Imagine it's 1996, and you've got tickets to see this legendary grunge band Soundgarden, and you're really excited about this, so you even go to the show early, because you, you want to get a good spot, and you're there just in time to see the opener. It's some non-assuming, bald guy opening the show, playing music from his latest album. He's best known for electronic music, but he's trying to play some punk and rock music, you know, revitalize his career. But it's not very good. So what do you do? Well, the only thing that feels natural to you, you throw bottles at him. This was Moby's career in 1996, and as far as he was concerned, his career was over. His latest album, Animal Rights, hadn't panned out at all, so he decided to make one last album, and figured that would be it for his career. He'd go back to his roots in electronic music, using an old CD of field music recordings that his friend had shown him. He worked really hard on this album. He was determined to go out with a bang. And so when it finally released on May 17th, 1999, nothing happened. It flopped. In fact, the first show he did in support of this album, in the basement of the Virgin Megastore in New York, it was attended by around 40 people, about half of whom knew who he was. His career was over, but he decided to tour anyway. It would be his last tour in support of an album anyway, so why not enjoy it? Almost a year after it came out, after a horrible show where he opened for Bush, Moby got a call from his manager. His album was number one in the UK, ten months after it had come out. Against all odds, Moby was a hit. In what seemed like a blur to him, movie stars started coming to his concerts. He started getting invited to fancy parties, and suddenly, the journalists who wouldn't return his publicist calls were talking about doing cover stories. Everyone wanted to talk about Play. The week Play was released in 1999, it sold 6,000 copies. A year later, it was selling 150,000 copies a week. It's since been certified platinum in more than 20 countries, selling 12 million copies worldwide, and playing a crucial part in taking electronic music to the mainstream, and leaving a legacy for artists decades after him. But it's not a surprise, it wasn't the only album to come out that week in May 1999, there was another musical trend bubbling up in pop culture, one led by Ricky Martin, who released his self-titled album just one week earlier. How do these two albums stack up against each other? Do Moby and Ricky Martin have anything in common? No. No, they don't. Welcome to When Albums Collide. Albums Collide. I'm your host, Judd Boaz, joined as ever by my co-host, Pedro Duran. Pedro, how's things? Judd, I am good. I am good. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I guess it's officially winter here in Melbourne, so uh, the hoodies are out, the heater is up, and uh, the warm sangria is in a cup. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what, uh, there's, a, there's a, you know, killer uh, snow front hitting the eastern seaboard, so there's no better time to be rugged up by a fire listening to Live in the Vida Loca by Ricky Martin on a cool winter's yes. night. Yes. Pedro, I mean, I always ask this, but I, I think we have the same answer for one of these at least and a very different answer for okay. the second one. How did you get introduced to one Moby and one Enrique Martin Morales? Well, um, I guess we'll start with Moby. I think I think it's the same yeah. <laughs> same way you were introduced to Moby. It's uh, uh, through the Eminem song, Without, Without Me. Absolutely. Um, 
And Moby, you can get stomped by Obi. Yeah, like, I mean, that's that's how... I was like, Moby? Who's Moby? I mean, it's so... That should give uh, credence to how powerful a diss it was in that it people didn't even know really who he was dissing and it introduced yeah. people to this artist. That's how, how great that rap yeah. was. Yeah, exactly. And I remember... Um, uh, to compound on that, I mean, I think Eminem won a similar award at the MTV Awards, and on stage he starts like calling Moby out and calls him like a little girl and stuff. And and at that point, I was like, "Who is Moby? Like, why is he? Why is Eminem coming at him like that?" And it's um, exactly right because Moby was like, "Thank you for all the publicity. <laughs> like, you just gave, you just introduced me to a generation of new fans." Yeah, I saw that in a in an interview. He was just saying that it just gave him more um more eyes on him. So. Um, Moby's winning on, on that front and it's it's funny because then going and listening to the album I actually know a lot of Moby songs through um, cultural osmosis through films and TVs that they've been licensed uh, to so I thought that was really fascinating and then in regards to Ricky I mean man living the Vida Loca man when that song came out it was like the biggest biggest hit ever um it was everywhere I, and i think it started really with um performance during the grammys where he does cup of life i remember that being big news in the u.s like a cultural thing like who's this guy ricky martin blah 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 blew up the stage he got a standing ovation after that it was on um and ricky martin was like a big pop figure i mean even to the point like chris rock is making fun of him you know during one of his skits when he goes you know living the vida loca you know he's like you know, you, you, in, the, in the comedy skit, he's like, there's no point of being racist. If you hate Puerto Ricans, guess who's coming home to marry your daughter? Live in the Vida Loca. And- <laughs> Rick and Martin! Rick and Martin! Yeah, Rick and Martin happening, that's right. I'm tired of Rick and, I'm sorry. I was like, y'all, six months ago, you, oh, you see him on the Grammys? He was great. Now it's, just, it's the same song. Give me something else, man. He's singing on the Grammys. He's singing on Tonight Show, Vita Loca. On the Today Show, Vita Loca. On the Flintstone, Vita Loca. He's stretching that thing like it's turkey meat or something. My God, man, he need another hit real bad. Ricky need another hit bad. He need another hit like a crackhead need a hit. I mean, it's, it's almost we, we, we mark things of how popular things are the mania surrounding things by how easily they're mocked, right? So we did the Millie Vanilli right. episode, it was heavily mocked. And I think these two were heavily mocked by different parties for different reasons. The Without Me diss is the classic, and it, I didn't. I would have no idea who Moby was unless Eminem specifically called him out and called him a slur. Mm. But it's funny because, especially that he says nobody listens to techno, which is not true. <laughs> that that right. line has aged terribly because now everyone listens yeah. to techno or EDM. Uh, but especially from Eminem, because he's from Detroit, which is like the home of techno in the United States and possibly the world. Yeah. Like so many great techno artists came out of Detroit. So for him to say, of all people, from all places, nobody listens to techno is hilarious. And of course, right. any good DJ or any good producer would know what to do as soon as he says that. They remixed his line, nobody listens to techno, into like 4,000 techno songs, uh, some of which were actually pretty damn good. Ricky 
Ricky Martin is the same. I really only know him from the one song. I didn't even know he did that World Cup song, which we're going to get to. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, this is a Ricky Martin song? I thought it was just a insert blank Latino name song. You know, it could have been, yeah. been anyone. But I'm like, oh, good on him. Yeah, good on Ricky Martin. But both crazy popular. Both of these albums sold exorbitant amounts of copies um, and just came out eight days apart. But I would say, of all the albums we do, these are some very polar opposites we've got going on here in terms of the artists, in terms of Mm -hmm. the style of the music, the Mm -hmm. mood of the music, the messages of the music. These are very disparate. So if you're a music goer and you've got your 20 bucks in 1999 to buy a CD... Depending on which CD you buy, whether you buy Ricky Martin or you buy Play, you will be able to tell a lot about your personality, I think. Yeah, definitely. If one's like cocaine and the other one's like weed, <laughs> I felt like. Like one's going to be very, you're going to be very mellowed out and the other one you're going to be up all night dancing um, <laughs> and just jumping around the house. So, And maybe before we get into the track by track breakdown, maybe it's a good time to, to talk about it a little bit. Um, so shortly after his mother died from lung cancer in 1997, Moby went into a sort of experimental phase. Previously, he'd been very clean, didn't really drink, do drugs, or even have sex, apparently. But after his mother died, he just went full bore, developed drug problems, developed drinking problems to the point where when he turned 43, he attempted suicide and he had to quit drinking in 2008 and, you know, attends Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Um, But this is the beginning of him experimenting with all those substances. Uh, Whereas I think Ricky Martin, very clean-cut guy, very clean-cut image, very PG-rated, I would say. All the things are sort of in sort of teasy innuendos, very clean-cut family image. I mean, for God's sakes, Ricky Martin performed at George W. Bush's inauguration in 2001, which is a wild thing to think about. Um, he's, he's since switched to Biden, don't worry. Yeah, so these are uh, two very different moods. And again, this is Ricky Martin on the rise. He is about to explode and reach the peak of his career, whereas Moby, writing this album, he thought his career was over. He was playing shows in front of, like, 20 people, 30 people, very divergent albums. Uh, Shall we break it down track by track? Yeah, let's do it. Pedro, there's really only one way to start it. Living to Vida Loca. You You know, we love when they do this. Just put your best foot forward. And he's put two feet... And a couple of knuckles forward with this one. Living a Vita Loca. I mean, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, this was Ricky Martin's first mainstream hit, especially in the United States. I mean, he was big on the Latin scene even back in the days when he was in Menudo, which is a, a Puerto Rican boy band from back in the day. Um, but this is it. This is the one that's like shooting out of a cannon. It's kind of cringy when I listen to it because at the time it was everywhere. And nowadays, if I'm, I'm like, I'm bumping it on my on my speakers. And I know people and my neighbors are like, what the hell is this guy doing? Why is he listening to that song over and over again? <laughs> it's 4 a.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, it's still a fun, up-tempo song. And if you were listening to this in 1999, I, I can understand why. You dug it. It was fresh and new. And uh, I think uh, a big part of it was how they produce a song. I don't know if you read, but they the, the producers were using this um, new software at the time called Pro Tools. Oh, my God. Which, <laughs> yeah, of course, everyone now knows it's probably it's in industry standard. But 
um, they used Pro Tools to produce uh, the music, and the sound was crisp and clear, and um, it produced a sound that hadn't been heard before, particularly in Latin music. And um, they were able to um, make this make this uh, Latin jam. So it's interesting. Let's talk about the Latin influence here, and I think you have maybe a little bit more experience in it. You know, growing up in America, it's a lot closer to home than it is certainly in Australia. And being Puerto Rican, yes. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing, because I thought Ricky Martin was from some unnamed South American country. No, maybe yeah. Colombia, maybe Nicaragua. I don't know. But he's from Puerto Rico, which is basically the United States of America, by the it way. Is, yeah. I mean, do you want to, what is the, if people don't know... You are pretty much a state, except you can't vote, right? Yeah, basically, it's a commonwealth of of, of the United States, very much in the way that Australia is a commonwealth of England. Um, in in Puerto Rico, you don't need a passport if you are you. I mean, you don't need a, a passport to go to Puerto Rico. Anyone born on the island has automatic U.S. citizenship. That's been the way um, since about 1913 because of the Jones Act that was passed um, after the Spanish-American War. So, um, you know, if you were born, if you have family in Puerto Rico after 1913, you're probably like third or fourth generation American, basically, technically. The main language is Spanish, but a lot of people speak English as well. They use the U.S. dollar. And yeah, I mean, and there's still a bit of a controversy because um, there's... And very much like uh, I think in Australia, you know, there's been talk about separating from the Commonwealth and becoming a republic here. There's a debate in Puerto Rico whether they want to apply for statehood or remain uh, with the Commonwealth status. And there's arguments for both sides and nothing has come up. But, um, um, yeah, Ricky Martin is um, a super big star in in uh, in Puerto Rico. Like he's been doing his thing um, there for for a very long time. I mean, you mentioned the boy band, which I hadn't heard about, but I, you know, this Ricky Martin had a career long before this album came out, which was crazy. But because it was all Spanish language stuff, the most of the world didn't know about it, which is which right. is crazy. He was like tucked away, but was he well known in, I guess, Puerto Rico? Very well oh, known before that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know. I mean, like my mom was born in New York, but she uh, moved back to Puerto Rico when she was uh, younger. And I mean, like Menudo was probably like in sync of Puerto Rico. You know what I mean? that analogy you got to consider um ricky being the justin timberlake of puerto rico the, the one that made it yeah yeah exactly um um so he broke out and just started a, a solo career he was doing it for a long time and then i think cup of life really started um catching on because as we go on we'll and you probably know that they just played it at every fifa game ever <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> so that was a big hit all regionally in south america and everywhere they play soccer um and um he was um nominated for a bunch of awards um the 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 big breakthrough performance was at the grammy awards where he performed the cup of life and i guess the grammy awards that year was like super dull because he goes out there and does his thing uh, and smashes the stage and he has a band coming out he's dancing and at the end he gets a standing ovation and i remember even back in the day after that performance on the news and the entertainment news and all that they were like who is this guy ricky martin bah, bah, bah. and that marked what the media would dub the latin explosion uh, record companies and executives were interested in signing latin artists and putting them on 
on on the scene and introducing them to U.S. audiences. So you know, after that, you have someone like. Mark Anthony, who is another Puerto Rican singer, very, very famous, you know, like he's been doing his thing uh, for a very long, long time. He starts putting songs out in English. You know, he'll have um, a song like I Need to Know, which is I, even for me, I like that song a lot. Like it, it just has that vibe to it. Enrique Iglesias had um, a lot of success with um, a song like Balamos. Which is on Will Smith's Wild Wild West soundtrack. It actually became a number one hit. Two things. If you're on YouTube, watch that video because it's so funny because it's scenes of Wild Wild West, that movie from back in the day. And also catch that... um, Grammy performance of Ricky Martin. You're going to really enjoy it. And then it opened up the way for Jennifer Lopez to release her album on the six, you know, which um, had a lot of hip hop and R&B influences on it, but definitely, definitely had a lot of uh, the Latin influence and she was able to ride the wave. Opening up the door and, for artists like Shakira to come through and and so forth and so forth. So um yeah, it's a, it's a, it's unfortunate how times have changed um especially in the Trump era because um in 1999 people were super excited for uh, uh Latins to come into the country and now they're basically fucking building <laughs> walls to uh to keep us out. So um um it's, it's funny how things change. It was all good a week ago, huh? <laughs> Because he did open the door for so many people, even though, you know, I know Shakira's Colombian, but he opened the door for Latin Americans to come through and bring a different flavor. And it continues today. Like, Bad Bunny is allegedly, according to the kids these days, is like one of the biggest rappers on the planet. Yeah. I have no fucking idea who this Bad Bunny guy is, but he's from Puerto Rico and he's really, really popular right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, So it's the same sort of thing. He did that song Mia with Drake, I think, that I think. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking about too. Yeah. It's not a bad song. Um, so he was really integral. And then, so let's jump over to Moby. What did Moby do for electronic music or electronica? He brought it to a pop framework. Before this, you'd only hear it in dingy, grungy clubs and whatnot. And so Moby helped popularize it a little bit more in the US, uh, along with guys like Fatboy Slim, that sort of thing. So let's start off with the first track on play, Honey. I mean, have you heard these songs before, Petra? No, I never heard Honey. As we go through the album, there are some other songs that I've heard, but I never heard this particular one. And it slaps. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good, especially bro, especially coming off that Eminem disc. I'm thinking I'm going to be listening to like techno. You know like what I mean? Like beeps and boops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was I was surprised when I um put this on and um and gotta listen because it's not what i expected um you know this the song samples um a song called sometimes by bessie jones
built around a repeating piano riff that's sampled by another song called Woman to Woman by Joe Cocker. So I, I, I definitely dug it. It's just that repetition kind of gets a little annoying for me after a while because it just keeps going and going. I'm, and I'm talking particularly with the with the with the sample itself, but I didn't find this to be a bad song at all. I was actually pleasantly surprised. I really like the song. Um, and it's just, I can always put this on and very timeless, doesn't sound very dated, doesn't sound very 1999 to me, which is nice. Mm-hmm. The thing that gets me, and I mentioned it, like I, I said, it's, this is an electronic album because it's a lot of sampling and stuff, but it's not really a techno album, is it? Right. It's really not a techno album. There's a couple of techno songs, I guess you would call them techno songs, which is like a fast, faster, think of house music, but faster. Right. 130, 150 beats per minute techno. It's really not. There's a lot of like slow, sad songs in here. And we talk about like what's going on in his life at the time. But he likes to put this album as it starts off as a dance party. And I think Honey is a dance song and it's a great dance song. And it goes into this slow, like, ketamine hole, sad boy phase at the end. Yes, Um, it does. (laughs) Whereas Ricky Martin is happy and then in between the bouts of cocaine that he's snorting, there are a couple of love ballads where he's having sex in the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. And hanging out with Madonna, which was was surprising (laughs) me. So again, like when we we go to the next track on Moby's play, Find My Baby, it's just him playing slide guitar over a Mm -hmm. vocal sample. It was, it has like hip hop drums on it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not really what I would call EDM or the, or the basis of that. Because the album prior to this, Moby was playing like rock and roll music, pretty much. So this is sort of him melding what he knows and what he wants to do. Um, And apparently he used to just DJ at this club and rappers would come in like Run DMC and Big Daddy Kane. And he would just DJ for this little white DJ DJing for all these rappers while they were Mm -hmm. drinking and... You know, in trying to impress their girlfriend, so he picked up a bit of uh, hip hop flavor from them. Yeah, 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 definitely. I can, I can, I, I, I get that sense because it's, it's funny bringing it back to the Eminem thing. Like Eminem gets uh, criticized, you know, being this white dude that takes on a lot of black music or black influences in his music. But listen to this album, man. Moby definitely listens to a lot of black music or <laughs> yeah, is definitely yeah. influenced real down south black music too yeah exactly because all these songs are samples of like there's gospels there are folk there's blues um and he's able to take a little phrase or just little vocal bit and and, and turn it into a jam put some beats about uh behind it and, and and make it to something um really catchy i'm about to say something that's gonna fuck my own head up and it might fuck your head up because i'll barely be able to get out the sentence that i'm thinking of in my head okay. and i swear i haven't been drinking that much all right. um all right so moby is a white guy from new york from Harlem, new york skinny white guy nerd um he is taking really african-american music heart and soul blues country folk music and then remixing it and bringing it to the rest of america right he's taking like black culture remixing it and putting it out there okay ricky martin is a puerto rican man who is taking songs written by white dudes that sound like latin songs repurposing them and bringing them to america if that makes sense it's like the complete inverse of what they're doing and they're both wildly successful ridiculous so anyone that says stick to your own lane man you don't know what you're talking about yeah exactly that's so funny (laughs) i'm glad i hope that made sense uh, Ricky Martin, Spanish Eyes. So here's the thing. Pedro, a lot of these songs are about women. Yeah. Um, 
And Ricky Martin, as we know now, is a homosexual man. Mm-hmm. But we only have that knowledge in hindsight, looking back, right. that it's clear that, oh, you didn't write these songs, these aren't your words, it's written by guys like Desmond Child and Draco Rosa, who feature heavily on this album and wrote all these songs and wrote songs for lots of famous people. That being said, I thought Spanish Eyes was dope as hell, man. <laughs> like, Ricky Martin has a good voice. And he, he's, yeah, like, as I said the antithesis of Moby, but it works, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I did like this song as well, and, and I think so. I went, as I, I go through the album, I, I I mean, I like the Spanish stuff that he's doing, the Latin stuff. I mean, I don't know if it's because it's just in my DNA or because I'm expecting him to do that, um, <laughs> but I thought this was good and for what it is it's uh another spanish jam a latin jam it's a slower than live in the vida loca but it has all the elements you know he's talking about a sexy girl in some spanish-speaking country they're dancing all night it's the second track on the album i think it's a fitting companion song to live in the vida loca and i i dug it so yeah it's it's a good one and like maybe it's being unfair because ricky has come out and said he did at times, you know, have feelings for women. And he thought, for mm. a long time, he thought he was bisexual. I think he told Oprah that or something. Really? But so, but it's it's <laughs> just funny looking back that, you know, if you want to just be true to yourself, you can just sing it about a man. That's cool, man. But he Yeah, Elton write... John's been doing it for a long time, forever. He didn't, he didn't write the songs, you know, that's the that's the thing. But, um, yeah. So I it's kind of so. hard. And it's I your wonder, first... yeah. yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I wonder also if it's a thing of a career thing you know what i mean like of course especially in 1999 yeah the rock hudson type of vibe where they don't <laughs> want you to you know you can't come out of the closet because you're gonna you know offend people or you're not gonna be profitable anymore but as you can see with artists i mean like i said elton john or even artists like frank ocean i mean now nowadays it's not even a thing you know i was thinking that i was thinking about episode one uh on that um, because I was like, well, you know, I, I think I even mentioned it. Like, Frank Ocean, who was sort of speaking about, like, his songs are very ambiguous, so he does sing about girls, but he also sings about Could Be a Man. Forrest Gump, yeah. Forrest Gump, yeah, exactly. Check out episode one, folks. Uh, Ricky Martin's next song, She's All I Ever Had. Now, this was like a second big single, I believe. Yeah, this is the second single, yeah. And there's um, there's sitar on this, like the instrument, the sitar. Yeah. And I'm going to offend a whole bunch of people here. You know, maybe it's their culture or whatever, but I think the sitar sounds like absolute shit. Like, <laughs> it sounds so corny and faux Eastern hippie. It, like, if George Harrison of The Beatles can't make me like the sitar, then Enrique Ricky Martin Morales probably isn't going to. I'm just going to yeah. say that as a fact. And it doesn't really even work with the song because there's a sitar intro and then he just launches into a regular a regular song. Yeah, like a regular ballad. So I feel like it was just, oh, we have this lying around. I want to get it on the thing. Yeah, but, yeah, I agree. This was the first time listening to it, because you don't really get it in Live and La Vida Loca, or even in Spanish Eyes. The harmonies in this are very boy band-like, which might mm. account for the success, because when did this come out? It came out in May 1999. What do people want? They want fucking boy mm. bands. I hear Backstreet Boys big time on this. Huge on this. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah, definitely. I actually do have like that in my notes. It was like it could have been anyone on this track. Could have been in sync, Backstreet Boys, O Town, uh, Ninety Eight Degrees, any number of those. How many those. can you name, Petro? Uh, well, I I am from Florida, where all those bands come from, so <laughs> I can name um all. I actually um, have a soft spot for. Uh, those boy bands because i recognize how corny and how manufactured they are you can't forget the uh the uk ones westlife uh F- boy five five boy zone yeah, yeah there's a lot of them man yeah yeah so i can appreciate them for for what they are they're like the mcdonald's of uh of music they're manufactured if you have too much it's probably not good for you but um and they market pro- it to kids yes exactly exactly yeah i i thought it was kind of corny man and sappy but i understand uh, this is the second single if they were to put out another like big anthem you know how it is it's just like oh this guy is has is on one on one speed he only has these kind of songs so they probably needed something to um to be the antithesis of how big living the vida living the vida loca was so you got this kind of sappy ballad trying to show his range and stuff and it's interesting that you were saying that um sounds like any type of boy band could get on this because one of the writers for this draco suarez um, was actually one of uh ricky's co-members in the band menudo back in the day so um they have um um he's he's quite experienced with this genre of music I mean, even because I was, I was thinking this just in my head listening to it, because there's a later song called I Count the Minutes. Yeah. And I was like, Pedro, you can't tell me this was not written for NSYNC. I know it was. Yeah. And then I, so I was just joking. And then I looked it up and it's written by Diane Warren, who did actually write songs for NSYNC. And, like, yeah, yeah, songs I saw for too, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. So they've just pulled, I understand that, okay, you've got this Latin superstar. He obviously has stage presence. He has charisma. Mm-hmm. We need to push him. Let's get him like let's get him a little bit of help. Let's get him some really talented songwriters to bridge the gaps in his in his album and make him a little bit more palatable. And he can sing, so it works. Moby's album continues with Porcelain. Now mm-hmm. he actually had to be talked into including this song, which is crazy to think when you when you actually listen to the song. He thought yeah. it was average, he didn't like his vocals, he thought he didn't really like produce it properly. And when the tour for play started, during this song, most people would go and get a drink. Which yeah. is crazy to me, but it turns out it's a really famous and popular song. It actually became a hit. Yeah. What do What do you think about Porcelain? Oh yeah, I mean that's this. It's funny because I've heard the song a million times, but I've never realized it was a Moby song yeah, at all. Exactly. Um, it's I just think in, of, in a lot of movies this would get played, bro, right? Or trailers. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Most famously, The Beach, the Leonardo DiCaprio film. Um, it was a movie directed by Danny Boyle, and um, he heard this song and wanted to put it into into uh the movie and the beach is um dicaprio's follow-up to titanic so everyone in the world saw the beach because you know leonardo dicaprio is the hottest movie star at that time i remember specifically it plays at the end credits and it's bittersweet because i hate that movie i think that movie is (laughs) are you familiar with that movie no i i it's i know vaguely the plot but i I can't remember bro it is so corny it is so corny just a because i have a disdain for backpackers and that whole movie (laughs) is about backpacking and all that shit pedro and i worked at a youth hostel full of backpackers for many a month many yeah too long and i just like i just have a disdain for them like they're just 
that's a whole different podcast but um that movie is like a backpackers movie you know what i mean um and it's it's just i just it and there's a scene where it like turns to a video game it's just fucking corny um and this song is played throughout the film to um bring up the emotion of traveling and uh you know just freedom and, and, and stuff like that eat pray love baby yeah exactly but if i separated from the film i like the song it's chilled it's very town down tempo melancholy yes thank you melancholy lyrics it's not a techno song though it's no. like you would never put this on in a club i don't think no no exactly you it, it, i felt like it's funny like i said going into this i thought we we're gonna be listening to techno like maybe we did an episode of Primal Scream. Oh, man, you took my notes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was thinking, that's what I was thinking. Like, okay, we're going to be listening to like dance tunes um, that are going to be popping in like European dance clubs. And this was like, I felt this whole album was, you actually can just put this on in your home and just kind of chill out, you know, or yeah, you really do some can. studying or something. Like, and some, it's, just, it's just very relaxing. Not even, so the mood especially, I was thinking yeah. like, I was listening in bed, I'm like, man, this is perfect bed music. Yeah, but, particularly at the, and, and, uh, the tail end of the album. Yeah. But you took my notes because I wrote down, when we did Screamadelica, Primal Scream versus Nirvana's Nevermind, right. like those songs are dance tracks. So they're like six, seven, ten minutes long on Screamadelica. These are like all short, sharp, three-minute songs, four-minute songs at most. So they're almost designed for radio play. It's not like a, a techno track that is supposed to go for like eight minutes to, to mix for mixing in the club and stuff. Right. And then he follows it up with Why Does My Heart Feel So Bad, which mm-hmm. I think is a really great song too, which yeah. apparently started as a techno song that he hated. And mm-hmm. so he slowed it down, really slowed it down. So it became really sad and really mournful, I guess. And almost um, a little bit romantic, I guess, the, this, the vibe in this. And it just shows where his headspace is at. Ricky Martin is going off his tits with success, and so all his songs, even his sappy ones, are happy. Mm. Moby's in a really bad place at this point because he thinks his career's over, he's washed up. He thinks nobody listens to techno, so let's mm-hmm. go. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that reflects in the, in the music. These two albums couldn't be more different stylistically, but Why Does My Heart Feel So Bad, really nice song. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's the fourth single off the album, I really like this, like this one. I really appreciated the the sample in which it comes from. Is the the Banks Brothers, uh, you'll roll, uh, he'll roll your burdens away, which is actually a gospel song, um, and I I recommend people to check it out because that song is actually the the original gospel song is really it's a great gospel tune, um, and I think it's worth uh, checking out. Why does my heart? Feel so glad. Why does my soul feel so glad? Yeah, but I really dug this song. Pedro, we're going to take a pause for the course. We'll be back with more when albums collide. To many film fans, this is seen as a classic film quote. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. This one is too. You talking to me? Over at Sea Here, however, we're very fond of this one. How many times do I have to tell you? No pizza for you, Joey. 
not to mention this one. Grease is the best, man. What makes us different to other film discussion podcasts? Tim, Bernie and I talk about films that are music-centric. Ours is the only podcast that has found the link between Hated, the Gigi Allen story, Ishtar and Yellow Submarine. As well as roundtable film talk, we also speak with directors of music films about their work. So if you love music and you love films, join us at See Here. That's S-E-E-H-E-A-R. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Even Mozart likes the show. Welcome back to When Albums Collide. We're comparing Ricky Martin's debut, quote-unquote, US debut. It's called Ricky Martin, came out May 11th, and Moby's Play, which came out May 19th, just eight days later in 1999. The next song on Ricky Martin's album, exactly what I feared this album would be, Shake Your Bonbon. Yeah. This is like a proto Black Eyed Peas annoying song with some annoying trumpet noises and an annoying hook that vaguely references a butt, but absolutely nothing memorable about this. This is a song that a mother buying this album to put on in the car would think is quirky and fun, but there's nothing for me. Yeah, this is the Latin version of My Humps, I think. Yes, yes. It's like, it is really... They're trying to make up this new phrase about a butt, um, but it's really irritating after a while. Repetition of shake your bum, bum, shake your bum, bum. I mean, this song was played all the time when it first was released. I mean, I never really cared for the song, even when it was on the radio back in the day. Yeah, and I just, it's one of the weaker songs on the album. There's too many shakes anyway. He's competing with too much if he wants to take that. You know, shake your tail feather, shake your money maker, shake it like a Polaroid picture, shake, shake. There's too much. Yeah, exactly. Then we get some left field cameos on both albums. Be careful. On Ricky Martin's album, what is this, Petra? What? Yo. This is a movie track. Yeah. Sometimes I go insane I play the fool and you'll agree I'll never be the same Is this some kind of goddamn breakbeat drum loop he's got on this? On a Ricky Martin album, it's an appearance by Madonna. Yes. Uh, Ricky Martin somehow, inexplicably, got Ray of Light era Madonna on a track. Yeah. And she lucked out too, hitching her wagon to the hottest thing in 1999, Ricky Martin. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I interpreted it as because I was going through the notes and it was saying like, why did she uh, appear on this album? She was like, I'm just a fan of Ricky Martin. And I was like, no, I mean, you, you know don't even, that- You couldn't even point to Puerto Rico on a map, Madonna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yo, yeah, for sure. Yo, it was just like, no, he's like the hottest thing out right now. <laughs> and you're just going to be on a song and you're Madonna. So it helps him out. So that's what it what it's all about. Just be real with us, uh, Madonna. But according yeah. to the the website uh, gaystarnews.com, which of course I do all my research for the show on that website. Yes. <laughs> Ricky Martin says Livin' La Vida Loca wasn't even gonna be on the album, but while recording this song with Madonna, she convinced him to release it. 
Mm. That Madonna, she has a great ear for tunes, I would say. But oh, not this well. one. I didn't think much of Be Careful at all. Nah, nah. Uh, neither did I. Like, I was, you know, walking around my place, and then this song comes on, and I'm just kind of, like, in and out. And then Madonna's voice comes on, and I'm like, no, this is this is about this as is, this inappropriate is as the time um, Madonna made out with Drake on stage. Yeah, what? It's like... Wait, Madonna made out with Drake on stage? No, have you... Yeah, you, there's a I th- video I thought that. you were going to finish that sentence with Britney, and I was like... No. Oh. The Britney one was still, at the time, kind of shocking and, you know, all right, because for for what it is. But she made out with Drake a couple of years back. You, anyone out there... Gross, man. And, yeah, you can check out the video. But it became famous and meme and in a meme because, like... um. Drake's immediate reaction was of disgust. You know what I mean? Because he was just like, I guess she like pulled it. She didn't tell him. Like she just made out with him. Oh, Jesus. And then he just pulled away and it's just like, like, you know, wipes his lips and stuff. And then he tried to backtrack in interviews. Just like, no, I was just so shocked, you know, that this icon made out with me and stuff like that. That's why I had that look of disgust in my face. I was like, no, bro. Like that's, uh, that's not true. Just be, just be real. He only loves his bed and his mama. He's sorry. Mm. Um, on Moby's album, conversely, we have another wild cameo, this time from Gwen Stefani, who yeah. appears on Southside. Now, the Spotify version doesn't have her, so you have to look up the actual single version. But I like this track a lot, actually. Isn't that weird? I kind of like this track, actually. No, no, it's good. I, I, I agree with you. I like the song. It's another ambient song, but it's playful. Yeah, it has uh, Gwen Stefani on it. And I, I and I was reading an interview. He was shocked that Gwen Stefani wanted to basically be on it because he was like, you know, you're Gwen Stefani. You're Tragic Kingdom. You're a rock star. And I'm, <laughs> my career is over. Exactly. Like, I, I noticed that. I was me? reading the, same, the, the interviews as well. He's so self-deprecating. He's like, I yeah. was a loser. Like, who would want to make music with me? It's And this is before Eminem even dissed him. But it's like, you know, he was shocked that someone at the peak of her powers, no doubt, uh, that she wanted to collaborate. So obviously she saw something in him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this is another track that I thought I've never heard of, but I actually did hear, you know, on the radio back in the day and stuff. And um, it's interesting if anyone gets a chance, you know, I always recommend to listen to the albums as you listen, to, well, you know, before or after listening to the podcast. But check out the music video as well because um, the music video won Best Male video for 2001 and really? MTV. yeah the, i watched I, it i wasn't crazy about it yeah it's all right i mean i understand why it won because it's basically a parody of like the music business and music videos and like the hip-hop bling era you know they're all like wearing these ridiculous fur coats they're sipping champagne um you know moby's in the video but at one point He's like breaking the fourth wall and they have a Moby model stand in for Moby in the music video. So um, I get it. It's anytime you can make fun of hip hop, MTV is going to award you with some type of um, moon man. So. so what's odd is that Moby doesn't really like any of the singles that he made and he likes all these weird down tempo interludes that he does. Like he, he likes these strange ones. So the next song, Rushing, is mm-hmm. one of his favorite songs on the record. And it's a really the only song that he felt confident about, really. But it's it's not really what I would call a... It's not a techno song. It's sort of a gentle piano ballad. Is, mm-hmm. is, that, is that fair to say? 
Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just like a filler track, man. It, I, and this is one of his favorite tracks. He just likes the instrumentation tracks, really. Mm. Um, the piano lines in this song, and this is a niche reference, the piano lines in Rushing remind me of the build menu music in the Sims personal computer game. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I will have to splicey splicey that for anyone who wasn't born in that era. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that's a compliment. Uh, it, like, this is fine, but it's not a hit. Like I said, I listened to it and I was just like, I mean, the song's almost like, just like two minutes or 255 or something like that. And it was just really quick. Didn't go through. I mean, it went really fast. I don't even think he's much like really singing on it or he does a lot of spoken word on, on the album mm. and stuff. Um, but I it yeah, like I said, it was just a filler track for me. I was just like, oh okay, that was like an interlude or something. And then he he slams right back with body rock. Yeah. And, and as I said, it's not really a techno album. So you have this track, which is sort of a Beastie Boys, Fat Boy Slim. Yeah. Some a bit of soul, a bit of electronica. But I think the vibe is very down tempo on this compared to Ricky Martin, where even his ballads have a little bit of you know Latin passion to them, a little bit of fire. Mm-hmm. For an album that's called Play. That makes you think of like, and he's you know getting up and jumping on the album cover. You think it's going to be very active. It's it's quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah, I I, I totally agree with the, uh, the prejudice that I had that he's going to be playing like this Euro club techno music. The cover art it's very dynamic. The album is very laid back, kind of lo-fi, right, and chilled. I did like Body Rock, um, probably the most dynamic song on the album because you could probably put this i don't know guess in a club and kind of get people moving and stuff but i also can imagine this <laughs> like at the end of the credits of i don't know the born identity or no it would be at the end credits of like the hangover part four yeah yeah definitely yeah i mean it's heavily inspired by hip-hop music i mean you can tell it's it's a it's, it's a vocal sample from um Spoonie G and the Treacherous Three, um, their song "Love Rap," and it, it goes to show, you know, he his um, his I don't know, I would say love, but definitely his influence in uh, by hip hop music. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a, I thought it was a banging track. Ricky Martin continues his album with "I Am Made of You." So when I think of Latin music, there's I think of really two categories. And I had a okay when I was living in a, in Alice Springs growing up, uh, I had a cousin from Venezuela came to stay with us for a little bit because Venezuela wasn't doing so crash hot. In fact, I don't think it's going so crash hot at the moment. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> uh, shout, shout out to my boy Tong. Miss you every day, yeah. Tong. But and he brought all the over these like pirated CDs of what he listened to in Venezuela, and I tell you what, I would say ninety percent of those CDs were the same song. <laughs> I could not distinguish them, and they were all like Don Omar's Conteo or Daddy Yankee's Gasolina, you know, songs like that. Great songs. So that's one aspect of the Latin music, and I think Ricky has that in Spades in mm-hmm. songs like Live in La Vida Loca. The other aspect of Latin music is songs like I Am Made of You. Mm-hmm. These are the songs 
heavily guitar-driven ballads, very passionate. This opened the door for Enrique Iglesias' Hero, am I right? Like, this isn't as good as that song, but it certainly opened the door for Enrique. Oh, yeah. This is that, this is that emotional ballad that is different, is very different to your traditional pop ballad, something like Celine Dion would never do something like this, or, or a male pop star. But it's uh, it's very typical of that that genre. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's um, as you were saying, it's just it's all that like the ballad thing. It's just him singing about like you know like I I miss you, I love you, and you can definitely hear you know Enrique or even his his father Julio Iglesias, who was superstar in in Puerto Rico, maybe as. Uh, it's to to put into relation um maybe even like the like as big as like a frank sinatra of puerto rico he was like the the og latin crooner of puerto rico and then you know enrique says oh my dad's in the music industry i'm gonna <laughs> make a career out of it as it's well it's funny and, how often that happens yeah and uh live off his name as well so um <laughs> But yeah, in total agreement of uh, what you're saying. I would very distinctly separate these two because I Am Made of You has a lot of Latin flavor. But the next song, Private Emotion, and shit, man, maybe they were written by exactly the same person. I should probably look that up. Mm. But I feel like Private Emotion sort of missed the point of this kind of music. Because Private Emotion, it's like a duet, and it sounds like something you'd put on a Disney soundtrack. It sounds mm. like something from the you know animated film Tarzan or something. Yeah. It's a weird saccharine instrumentation i really didn't like it and i felt like it was missing that puerto rican flavor well yeah i mean well that's you're on to something there because it is different writers it's um eric basilia and um another guy named rob hyman what a hell of a name there Um, jesus what an unfortunate name yeah but they're actually um members of a band called the hooters um from from back in the day so they're probably used to doing rock ballads and stuff like that and this definitely feels different from you know those slow ballads or that latin flavor up tempo party jams that they got going on um and i think that's a big thing that goes into it but yeah this is very middle of the road you know what i mean kind of like you know what I mean? It doesn't offend anybody. It's just like whatever. Would you consider this a sticky song? Uh, maybe. I'd say mm. I'd say Ricky Martin would make sticky songs. Yeah. Because like living La Vida Loca, love it or hate it, you will listen to it. Same with yeah. same with a cup song. I think I think you make sticky songs. There's something yeah. about it. And obviously, these, the songwriters behind this music is, are very talented. So I want to go. I want to. I want to break me off a piece here with the next song in Moby's album, Natural Blues. It's a nice song. Sort of in the similar vein of uh, Porcelain or Why Does My Heart Feel So Bad. That being said, I feel like a song like Natural Blues, if you listen to it, provides a backbone for a lot of modern EDM music. The Mm -hmm. beats, the tempo, the flow into the chorus, the sort of ethereal vocals that come over the top. EDM, strong debt to this song and songs like it. Right. Especially the vocals. I mean, even Adele has come out and said this album influenced a lot of her music and you can hear when Adele sings, you can yeah. hear that in it. Uh, especially when you listen to the sample here of Vera Hall, who was a folk singer from the 1930s, which is a, probably a good time to go into where Moby got a lot of these samples. Mm-hmm. So he got them from a ethnomusicologist, which is a job that exists apparently, called Alan Lomax. And he is best known for his field recordings of music. Now, field recordings, 
it's exactly what it sounds like. You go into the field, you go into the real world, and you record things instead of bringing them back to the studio to replicate them. And so he spent a lot of his career throughout the 20th century, him and his father, going into the deep south of the United States and recording all these old folk artists and blues artists like Muddy Waters and stuff and archiving them for the Library of Congress. Because these are people that are so poor or so remote or so old. They're living in the Appalachian Mountains or in the Mississippi Delta. Like, they'll never have a chance to go to a recording studio, let alone sing into a microphone, right? Right. So he got all these wonderful collections of folk artists and people in the backwoods uh, in the early part of the 20th century that would never in a million years have recorded an album and that we'd never get to hear otherwise. It'd be lost to time. Some of, like, these recordings are genuinely really amazing. Like, he has these recordings of prison songs, Mm-hmm. You have all these primarily African-American men working on chain gangs yeah. in the 40s in America and singing these amazing gospel songs that would have their roots in the Underground Railroad and, and the slave trade and stuff. And Lomax managed to save this piece of history and record it. So Moby has a friend who lends him a CD, a compilation of Lomax's stuff in 1993. It's called Sounds of the South, a musical journey from the Georgia Sea Islands to the Mississippi Delta. Mm. And a few of these songs have these samples, like the Vera Hall sample we're hearing in Natural Blues, and it contributes to the soulful, deep South, bluesy vibe of the album. Which is why I actually appreciate play, which I didn't even know Moby was American, to be honest. But this is a very American album. Like, this is a very... The sound of it is so American because you don't have that sort of gospel music really anywhere else in the world. And then a later song, like, Run On, which has been recorded by, you know, Johnny Cash and Elvis Presley as a gospel standard. Here's this great new take on it with electronic music. It's still a very... Americana album it's just updated I think it's great yeah yeah um very well said yeah I I really dug um uh the sample I think it really um a good um companion to the beat something like compared to the the first track Honey he's doing the same thing you know taking um uh, a very bluesy sound or a very folk sound and putting it up against this like this new electronic beat um, updated in 1999, but this one sounds better to me, and I don't. I think that it's um, really attributed to Vera Hall's uh, vocal performance. Um, I, I I listened to um, the original thing, and I mean, oh, it's ama- it's amazing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like it's 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 eerie. It's um, really soulful. Trouble so hard. Oh, Lordy, trouble so high. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. The only disappointing thing is just that she didn't get credit for it. The credit goes to um, Alex. He got the publishing credit on it. So I thought maybe something could have been thrown out to her or her family or something. But I mean, if it's any consolation, she's probably dead. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I, that's what I figure. So, 
And so it's it's weird because you have this thing. Really, like one of his only techno tracks on the album is Machete or Machete, which is it's really it's, we're doing it's, Ricky Martin. It's Machete, Machete, Machete. It's really incongruous, man. It's almost like what are you doing doing a techno song, though? Yes. Even though that's that's the genre he's apparently known for. Yeah. It doesn't really fit on this really down tempo album. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't feeling this song. Man, maybe if fa- we'd listen to it in isolation, like we just listen to it and be like, oh yeah, cool, that song. But it it breaks the flow of play. Yeah, I, I very, very much so. I mean, it was just too fast paced f- for everything else that was going on. Yeah, uh, I and I I appreciated more the other uh, the other songs. You know, just like I mean, like even I don't know, like Porcelain or Southside. They had more of like a bit of a pop element to it, but this one is just it didn't do anything for me, man. I wasn't feeling it at all. So let's get to the other big Ricky Martin song, La Copa de la Vida. Yes. Which is kind of similarly close to, you know, living la vida loca. A lot yeah. of life going around at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so this was selected as the song for the 1998 FIFA World Cup. If you don't think you've heard it, oh, trust me, you've heard it. You've ole, heard it. ole, ole, ole. Uh, uh, uh. I just imagine like a, a thousand South Americans just a thousand, singing this Like a hundred thousand of them. Yeah, in just unison whenever like a soccer ball is being uh, kicked around. That's It's just like, that's what I imagine in my head. No matter where I hear the song, it's just, that's just, that's the image. So this is the song that really launched him to international superstardom. For whatever reason, I think FIFA, they like choosing these pop songs that have quote unquote international appeal. So they maybe they're in like a little bit of a different language or they have sort of, you know, jungle beats or something so everyone can get into it. For example, 2010's World Cup song, Shakira and Wyclef Jean with Waka Waka. You could pretty much pin that song's success to Ricky Martin opening the door for Shakira here. This is like a song that launched him, and it's still a very, very fun song to listen to. Yeah, I I can't hate him for doing what he knows to do, what he knows best, man. I mean, he knows where his butter is toasted, so that's what he's going to go to, you know? (laughs) And he has a uh, English version and a Spanish version, so he's um. He has that for a couple songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Got to pay the bills. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. Even though, I mean, it, it's it's a fun song. It's very, it's an anthem. Yeah, I'm not hating on him for doing it, but it, I, I, I think the best place to listen to the song is in a soccer stadium. I've said it at the start of the episode. Ricky Martin and Moby are like the antithesis of each other. Polar opposites, pale, white, bald, nerdy DJ versus this handsome Latin god, and his skin is the color of mocha. I yeah. mean, this dude is a handsome devil. Have you seen, I mean, he was a soap opera star, a boy band star. Have you seen the episodes of Ricky Martin on General Hospital? No, I have not. <laughs> Which is, if you don't know, General Hospital is the Guinness World Record holder for the longest running soap opera ever with over 14,000 episodes. And that's always a good marker for quality, right, Pedro, when something goes for that long? Yeah, I mean, look at The Simpsons. Yeah, they definitely won't run out of ideas. Uh, But you should look up clips of Ricky Martin in this. Not as wooden as I thought he'd be. I mean, there's a reason he does music and not acting. But honestly, not terrible. And he has this glorious, like, Fabio mane of hair because it's the mid-90s. Oh, man. Chef's kiss. (laughs) You're beautiful, you're warm, you're loving, you're smart. He'd be a fool if he doesn't appreciate who you really are. If anyone else does this song, if they're not Puerto Rican, if they're not handsome, if they don't have the onstage charisma, if they can't dance, they can't move like him, is it as successful? 
Hard to say, man. Moby, it doesn't matter what he looks like because it's the sampling and the and the music behind it. He's certainly not dancing, I don't think. Very different, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting because the the producers and stuff, and I was reading an article in regards to um, uh, The Cup of Life and particularly Living the Vida Loca. What they were trying to create was, and I quote, the, the Latin Elvis. You know what I mean? They saw that potential in him. They saw he was a handsome dude. He can dance. They wanted to, you know, start putting together these songs that are just fiery and upbeat. And um, I think he kind of had that mantle for a bit and um, contributing to his, his success. Moby has these weird interludes after Machete where he just plays flute or guitar or something. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into a very down-tempo mood. He described it as being in a ketamine hole or a K-hole where you're just sort of zoning out and fading away marked drop in energy like songs mm-hmm. like down slow if things were perfect ever loving um they sort of blend into each other because the the mood is very quiet it's like a quiet moment that sort of peters out yeah. um so his idea was this narrative arc starts off energetic and dissolves into an opiated haze uh what did you think towards the end of the album here dude i i it's if that was what he was trying to go for, he hit the mark, man. Because when it gets down to uh, like down slow, if things are perfect, um, ever loving, um, inside, I'm falling asleep. I, I just jot down in my notes, uh, particularly with a song like Inside. This is ambient music that I put on to kind of doze off um where are the whale uh, noises is what you're yeah, asking yeah exactly um so if that's what he was going for moby you've did the damn thing because um yeah the album just really slows down and i was actually just like dozing off listening to this and conversely ricky martin just turns the energy up by replaying the songs in Spanish. Yes. <laughs> at the end of beautiful. his album. <laughs> uh, let's just replay Live in La Vida Loca, but I'm going to sing it in Spanish now. Let's just replay She's All I Ever Had, but I'll sing it in Spanish now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought that was hilarious. I mean, like I said, uh, doing it in English, doing it in Spanish, so he pleases both audiences. So. But uh, toward the album, I do like uh, songs like You Stay With Me and I Count the Minutes, both written by Diane Warren, as you were saying earlier. You know, she's probably... Uh, I mean, it's a super famous songwriter, most like uh, most famous, like Rhythm of the Night by DeBarge. And I was feeling those because I felt like those like kind of like sexy R&B tracks. You know, they had like a vibe to it and a little bit of soul, um, particularly with I Count the Minutes. Like what Ricky's trying to do, he's trying to put like his singing style. He's trying to put like some 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 stank into it, as, as they would say, and even have a choir in the song. I thought I thought that was that was good. Let's take it to the breakdown. Pedro, we have Moby's Play, Ricky Martin's self-titled album. Both sold well over 10 million, 15 million copies. And they're both successful. It's easy to say. Uh, yeah. Why were they both successful in their own way? That is the question you must answer. Mm. One thing with Play, I would say, is that um, it was innovative in the way that it licensed all of the tracks. Every single track on this album was licensed to a movie, a television show, a commercial. So, you know, you were able to hear this song even if you didn't buy the album. And, and the same 
vein that Smash Mouth did with their album Astro Lounge. If we have an episode of that, people check it out. So, you know, you would hear a, a Moby song on on in the in the in a in a movie like The Beach. And then you'd be like, oh, I actually know that song. I actually heard it a bunch of times and I actually do like it. Um, and I think the genre EDM, electronic music um, is popular. Um, now it's like mainstream, but at the time, maybe a little more subculture. And I mean, there is real talent behind it. And to um, compound to what you were saying, Judd, earlier, I mean, this is very american album it has a lot of influences with the electronic music with the hip-hop with the blues um with folk comes together really well with ricky martin's album i I think the grammy performance was a big thing made him a superstar breakout star um that song living the vida loca is a it's a it's a radio hit it's a jam he was just like the hottest thing on the scene people were ready for something different i guess um, and it was just um, a, a cultural moment in the late 90s. People were ready for some of that Latin flavor. And even if, though it was um, kind of hot for just that little bit, um, he was the the the, uh, the front man for it all. You're right. He was the front man. He was the torchbearer. It's hard to say where Latin music would be without Ricky Martin, even though I think most people might see him as a one-hit wonder or a two-hit right. wonder. He really kicked open the door and got invited to perform at a president's inauguration. That's how big he was because he was seen as not only like a a cross-cultural, but almost like an American superstar that's bringing people together. Hmm. Um, So, you know, I'm sure Shakira probably would have made it. Maybe Pitbull would have made it, but (laughs) they wouldn't have, maybe they wouldn't have had the the easy success. Hey, let's not get too crazy Pitbull. (laughs) Mr. Worldwide? (laughs) Yeah, Ricky and Ricky Martin, the reason so popular is because he's a superstar. And yeah. you can see that just the way he performs. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable charisma that you you don't get with a lot of pop stars, uh, even today. Right. And did you know he's still going today? He's going to do a world tour or an American tour starting in September of this year with Enrique Iglesias as his co-headliner. Oh, wow. Can well, you yeah. believe it? It's easy to see both visually why he was successful, but also the music. He has top-tier songwriters banking on the success of this guy they can see is going to be a superstar that's off the tv boy bands and it's easy to see and with a song like that live in the vita loca it's hard to miss yeah man for moby all the reasons it's more about the music with moby instead of a career that's about to launch into superstardom he's a career that's being rescued he's almost a failure he's washed up he's a has-been and this is suddenly a second chance at life um which is always nice to see for a musician the music stands off by itself i think it still holds up very well compared to a lot of albums from the late 90s especially electronic albums and stuff where the techniques and production is dated this sampling technique and because the samples he's using were already 60 70 years old it gives it this timeless soul feel that is going to last for another 60 or 70 years i think Mm. as opposed to you know call me if anyone still likes skrillex in 60 years Mm. I really like both albums. Is that weird to say? No, no. It's 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 it's, it's uh, you're allowed to like both albums. Yeah. I'm in the majority, man. I must be in the majority. There's obviously aspects, but and maybe it's you know, hey, we haven't done an episode in a long time. Maybe I've I've softened to my old age, Pedro. I've yeah. turned 28. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. Yeah, for can I say for listeners or listeners, Judd had a Judd uh, his birthday was last week. Uh, he turned twenty eight. He had a secret birthday party. He doesn't remember anything from the night. <laughs> I remember the projectile vomiting the next day. Yes, exactly. So and another thing I wanted to say. Um, it's funny because I was going through older episodes. By the time this episode comes out, we would have been doing this show for one year. That's no. crazy to think, isn't it? Yeah. First episode was in May, end of May. Man, it was a different world back then. Trump was president. There was a crazy virus ravaging the, this planet. Yeah. Oh, how things have changed. Exactly. Pedro, can you please choose a song from each album uh, that we can listen to? All right. So with um, with Moby's album, I'm going to choose Natural Blues. Um, I think it's one of the strongest songs on the album that isn't a song that you heard a million times. Like you've heard Porcelain a million times. You've probably mm. heard, you know, um, Southside. But um, there's something about Natural Blues. I, it was very surprising because I wouldn't expect to hear a song like this on a Moby record. You know what I mean? If you're saying, oh, you want to listen to Moby and I put this on, you're just like, this is Moby, right? You know, like you're expecting something else. So I recommend that. And also give a shout out to Vera Hall, you know? Um, and then in regards to Enrique, uh, I think I'm going to choose, I almost want to choose Be Careful. I'm going to choose Be Careful. Really? The Madonna song? Yeah. And the reason for, for for choosing that is that because I think this is the lowest point of the album. And if you can get through that, then you're going to enjoy the rest of the album. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, if I say, you know, living the Vida Loca, yeah, everyone's heard that song. Um, the Couple Life, yeah, everyone's heard that. Uh, um, I'm just going to go the exact opposite. I'm going to say, yeah, um, be careful because it's the weakest song on the album. If you can get through that and, and if you're a person that's like, oh, well, that wasn't that bad, then you're going to really enjoy the rest of the album because I think that's the corniest song. It's cringy. Yeah, it's the lowest point. It's the nadir of the album. I can't argue with that. <laughs> mm. It's a low point. Uh, I would say, you know, I would say Southside, but don't listen to the album version. Go and seek out the Gwen Stefani version, mm. which was the single version, which maybe people didn't hear. Uh, I just really like Southside, man. I think it's a great song. And uh, and maybe a little bit less popular than Porcelain or something, some of the, some of the big hits. For Ricky Martin, I'm going to go with Spanish Eyes. Usually not a, a kind of song that I would like. It really awoke to me that Ricky Martin can sing, man. Ricky Martin mm. has, has some pipes on him. And again, it's not one of the huge, huge hits. It's just a, a minor single. But I really yeah. enjoyed it, man. Really enjoyed both these albums and such an interesting contrast between these two. Yeah, for um, sure. But that's it for us. Rate, like, subscribe, find us on Instagram, etc., etc., and uh, we'll see you all soon. Yeah, see ya. Peace. Welcome to When Albums Collide. I'm your host, Judd Boaz, joined as ever by my co-host, Pedro Duran. Pedro, how's things? You just draw oh, it. I fell down. Yeah, sorry. You're all good. Should we take that uh, again? No, you just go, man. I'll edit it.